You are listening to the Life Point Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Drew Meyer. For more information about other Life Point Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. Awesome. Romans chapter 13. We are continuing a series called Lifestyle Christianity this morning. Uh, two weeks ago, yeah, maybe thanks. Kyle's got my back. This man knows me all too well. He knows that I can't preach with my, my Bible in my hand if I don't have anything to put it in. Um, Romans chapter 13, we're continuing this series called Lifestyle Christianity. If you were with us a couple weeks ago, we talked about how Monday matters. If Christianity is only transforming your Sunday mornings, there's something wrong. It should trans- translate to Monday morning as well. And that goes for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, throughout the week. The gospel is supposed to come to bear on every day of our life. Lifestyle Christianity. Thank you, brother. Give it up for Kyle. He's the greatest because he's the servant of all. I love it. And then after that, we talked about how family matters. If If our faith is not translating to our life within the four walls of our home, then there is a problem. There is a real problem. And we were, we're contending for something more that, that is an actual change in lifestyle, that it's a way of life. Jesus didn't come to just bring a religion or, or a correct doctrine or a, way thinking about, a, a new way of thinking about God. He came to change our way of life. And therefore, he came to bring lifestyle Christianity. That's what he gave his life for. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to talk about how love matters. That's right, love matters, which may sound extremely generic, so broad, like how, how is Pastor Drew going to somehow bring that to bear on my life beyond us just leaving saying, yeah, I, I need to love better because love matters. Well, I'm, I'm praying this morning that there's something new and fresh from God's word that's burning on your heart because I believe actually lifestyle Christianity and walking out a lifestyle of love is actually an intentional choice that we make. We choose love. And I want us to discover that this morning in Romans chapter 13, I believe the soul, the, the single greatest descriptor of a follower of Christ is love. If someone hears that you've had an encounter with Christ, the greatest change in your way of life should be that descriptor of love. Now this person just has this banner over their life, this, this new life and essence of them, which is love. I'm going to unpack that this morning. I'm going to give some substance to it since love is such a a generic, broad uh, theme. I'm going to bring some substance to it in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus made that the single descriptor of a follower of Christ and what he was coming to bring on the earth. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, he summed up the entire law of the prophets, the 400 plus law, uh, 400 plus laws of the old covenant, He said, as he was asked, as he was pressed, what's the greatest? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So it's love. Love is essential. Love is a must for lifestyle Christianity. We cannot move past this. We We have to get this. This has to be burning in our hearts. This has to be changing the way we live out our Monday through Saturday as well. Love has to somehow impact the way we live out our life inside of our homes, inside of, in our workplaces. Love has to be working in our heart and our lives if we're going to get it. 
1 Corinthians chapter 13, as Paul is trying to bring order to a, a seemingly chaotic church, a move of God in Corinth where the, the gifts of the Spirit are running rampant, he's bringing order to it, and he stops, he pauses in the mid middle of this teaching, and he says, if I could speak in all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I'd only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is essential even for the powerful demonstrations of God's spirit, for radical displays of compassion and generosity. Love is essential. So love matters. First, first John uh, chapter 3, verse 16 says, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up, gave up his life for us. So that's not just the standard, but then the very next sentence, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. He didn't just reset the standard, recalibrate what love is, but then he said, that's the way in which we are to live. You and I are to live out our lives, to then emulate Jesus' example and lay down our lives for one another. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, these two words, you could live an entire life desiring to emulate in your life or to desiring to foster in your life imitate god there you go just go and imitate god why don't you while you're at it while you're trying to flesh out your faith in jesus christ why don't you imitate god therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children live a life filled with love following the example of christ he loved us and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us a pleasing aroma to god so are you convinced love matters? Love matters in our lives, in our day-to-day -day lives, in our lifestyle Christianity as we're pursuing Jesus. Love has to be there, has to be resident, has to be vibrantly alive in our lives, flowing in and through us. So we're going to unpack that a little bit in Romans chapter 3 and try to bring some substance to a very broad theme of love and then hopefully activate you in a new lifestyle of love as you walk out of this place. So if you've been with us, we've been uh, going through Romans chapter 12, now we're into Romans chapter 13, and we haven't been going verse, verse by verse. But the reason we've chosen this passage is because Romans is the most robust, thorough explanation of the gospel that we have in the entire Bible. The good news of Jesus Christ, he spends 11 chapters laying that out with great detail. God's redemptive plan through Jesus Christ. And he spends, he spends a lot of time bringing it to bear in our lives, and then it comes to chapter 12, and he says, Therefore... Therefore, lay down your lives as living sacrifices daily. That should be our response to a revelation or an understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ. Should be then a response of daily laying down our lives as living sacrifices. Being transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's what Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 says. This, this should come to bear then on our lifestyle. On our day-to-day -day life. And so we've talked about what that means for Monday morning, for our family we skipped over a part that talks about our life in communities, the body of Christ. I would encourage you in verses 1 through 7 right here of chapter 13. We're not going to talk about these seven verses. But I would encourage you in the day and age in which we live to read over these seven verses. He talks about how we honor and respect government authorities, government officials. And we live in an extremely divisive age. I wouldn't say it's unique. Every generation has its issues, has its divisions, its schisms, its... Um, conflict. So I wouldn't say our generation is all that unique. 
But as followers of Christ, we'll be tempted to make these issues that, that honestly dominate the airwaves and dominate uh, media and the TV, we make those issues the primary issues instead of what we actually read in Scripture, which are the issues, the heart issues. And what he says in verses 1 through 17 should penetrate your heart in this day and age where we can, we can develop all sorts of opinions and angst and anger and, and hatred towards others. He says, above all, honor our government officials. Respect them. Give them, give them what they're due. And, I, and if you have any issue with that, I would, I would ask you to get on your knees and consider the context of Paul's, uh, the audience of, to which Paul is writing in this, in this passage. He is writing to the church in Rome. These are people who are submitting to a pagan government. And not only do they have a completely different grid or way of viewing the world around us, they are slaughtering and killing their family and friends, the Roman believers. They're killing Christians. And yet Paul here is saying, trust me, I want you to submit to your governing officials. Respect them, honor them, pray for them. If that doesn't convict you, I don't, I don't know what will. Hopefully something gets to your heart this morning in regards to that. I would encourage you to read that. He also tells them to pay taxes. And then just, I think it's so, so slick of Paul because he just makes an about face. He goes from, you should pay taxes to this verse in verse 8. It's, it's, not, it's not a very smooth transition, smooth segue. But he goes from paying taxes to verse 8. He says, owe nothing to anyone except for your, except for your obligation to love one another. Somehow he goes from paying taxes to you should just love everybody. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. That's what, I'm so, that's what I'm saying. There's these issues, and then there's the heart issues. And as followers of Christ, we have to keep the, the main thing the main thing, which is our heart posture. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the, for the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. So he, qu he quotes Jesus. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God, God's law. I'm going to stop right there for a moment. I want us to give substance to what love is. Because he actually goes into talking about the commandments of God and how, how when we actually walk in love, we're actually fulfilling the commandments of the law. He says, Oh, nothing to anyone. The one thing that you are indebted to others in should be love. It's just a love encounter with, with God Almighty, with Creator God. He says, pay, right prior to this, he says, pay to people what, what is due to them, specifically taxes. Don't be indebted to people. And then he makes that about, fa about face segue to, to this um, lifestyle of love. And he says, be indebted to those around you in love. That's what you owe people around. You owe them a love encounter with Creator God. And then he brings them to the words of Jesus himself. And this is where I want us to bring some substance to this theme of love. Theme, I mean, this theme of love is so broad. We're so saturated with this, with the idea of love at the earliest stages that we need to, we need to kind of recalibrate or redefine what love is based on the Word of God. I actually saw a study It said 73% of popular music is about the theme of love or romance, 73%. And if you'd think through most of the movies or TV shows that we watch, most of them, even our kids' shows, have some, some element of love or romance in them, right? 
We, we love that theme. There's something deep in our soul that loves, loves love and romance. And it's a longing of every one of our hearts. And so even at the earliest ages, we, we, we learn to communicate love and sense love. And to our, we learn to tell our parents we love them. We learn to experience a love towards our friends. We love them. Extended family, we love them. As you get older, you learn to communicate what you like and what you don't, don't like by, by love. I love tacos. I don't like asparagus. You know, you, you, you love whatever it is you love. But I would say that even before creation, love existed. Even before the creation of the foundations of this world, love existed. And this morning, I want us to discover perfect love in the person of Jesus Christ that that existed even before the foundations of this world. Love existed well before this explosion of matter, however many years ago. Because God is this mysterious, complex being of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he's in need of no one. And in himself, he's able to express love. He doesn't need you and I. He can express love even within within himself. And scripture says that he is love. So if we're going to understand what love is, we first have to look at Jesus. Because then we, we see in the garden that he did decide to create and to express his, life, his love to, to something else. So he created humanity. And in Genesis chapter 3, it says that God walked in the, in, in, the, in the garden in the cool of the morning. It's like God hung out with Adam and Eve. That was his intention. It was a love relationship with humanity. Obviously, that was broken by sin. The relationship was completely separated. And then we see in the first 39 books of this, of this Bible, we see this grand, detailed story of God's redemptive story, of him trying to restore relationship, him accomplishing that, restoring relationship. And so then we see 2,000 years ago, Jesus steps on the scene as the embodiment of love. That's what he is. He is the embodiment of love, love expressed towards humanity. So if you want to know what love is, you have to look at the person of Jesus. He is the embodiment of love. And one aspect of the love of Jesus that I want to bring to life this morning is the fact that Jesus' love, even as he hung on the cross, you know, many people could have, many, many other people did die deaths on crosses. Many other people were martyrs even for, for Jesus. But Jesus' death was unlike any other death because he walked in perfection because he was sinless. So Jesus' love was a perfect, holy love. And that's why here in this passage, Paul brings them and perfectly marries the commandments of God with the love of God. He said, the law of God tells us don't murder, don't covet, don't commit adultery, don't do those things, don't steal, don't lie. And when you, when you actually um, submit yourself to God's law, you are walking in love. When you're not lying, when you're not cheating, when you're not stealing, when you're not committing adultery with your neighbor's spouse, you are walking in love. So therefore, Jesus, just think of the person of Jesus as he walked the earth. When he looked at somebody, he did not have an ulterior motive. He didn't have an agenda. 
There was no, there was no um, lying in him or conniving. He wasn't trying to cheat them out of anything. He didn't look upon someone lustfully in a sexual way. He didn't lust for power. He didn't desire to, uh, to exert his power over people. That is the perfection of love in the person of Jesus, even within the intentions of his heart, not just his actions, but also in the intentions of his heart. So here's where it comes to bear in our lives then. I feel like many times in our walks with Christ, in our lifestyle, Christianity, as we're trying to figure this out and trying to flesh out relationship with Jesus, we feel like we have to either choose if we're going to pursue love or if we're going to pursue holiness. And sometimes when we pursue love, we're like, well, maybe I'm being too wishy-washy. Love is, love is wishy-washy. It doesn't have standards. It means I just have to love everyone and turn a blind eye to, to any sort of departures from God's best. And if you're on the holiness side, you're like, I don't want to be grumpy all the time. If I'm holy, that means I have to be grumpy. If like have a frown face like on all the time, right? You just like have this glare. and that's, that's what holiness is. You don't have any fun in your life. <laughs> I would contend this morning that when love and holiness are properly married, like they're intended to be, that is the perfection of love. That is the life of Jesus where he was perfectly holy and perfectly loving in a way that actually carried power and authority that meant something for people's lives. So in verse 10, he says, Love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. That's where they're married. That's where they're in, inseparable. You will fulfill God's law when you walk in love towards others. And vice versa. You will walk in love when you fulfill God's law towards others. So John chapter 1 verse 14. This is what John says. He says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among, amongst us. The word being the Son of God, the revelation of who God is that came to us through the person of Jesus Christ. That's the word. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of what? Full of grace and truth. So people have a, a misconstrued idea of what grace or love is. And they, they, think, they think it means just celebrating and ex accepting everything. That's what grace and love is. No, it's not. Because he says grace and truth. There is a truth. Jesus did kneel down to the woman caught in adultery and said, go and sin no more. It's grace and truth. This perfect harmony and marriage of both holiness and love. So if you want to grow in love, grow in holiness. If you want to grow in holiness, grow in love. And think upon Jesus. Just discover that perfect love in the person of Jesus as he walked the earth. Even the intentions of his heart were perfect. Hopefully you can see that now before your eyes this morning. The person of Jesus walking the streets of Galilee. In perfect harmony with, God's, with God the Father's best. In, in complete perfection. And therefore he could love others as he walked, as he walked the streets. So if you're, if you're getting that picture, then let's continue on in verse 11. He says, this is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Maybe he was writing this at like 11 p.m., I'm not sure. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. 
Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immorality, living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about the ways to indulge your evil desires. So again, he, the urgency he's bringing is on the way we're living in holiness because therefore we can more powerfully, with more authority, walk in love towards others. But he says it's urgent. And I would say if it was urgent 2,000 years ago, it's even more urgent now. He says salvation is nearer. The day of salvation is near. What's he talking about? Because isn't he talking to believers? Aren't they already saved? Yes, they, they were. I'm assuming most, most of his audience were, were already believers, the followers of Jesus, therefore saved in the sense that they're, they're, uh, they had a relationship with the Father through, the son, uh, through his son Jesus. They were in right standing with the Father. But there is a greater day of salvation coming. Because right now, you and I, were aliens in this world. We are foreigners. We are, we are citizens resident in a foreign kingdom. So therefore, we are awaiting this, this greater coming of a kingdom. So the day is coming. I would say our, our, our urgency, urgency should be even greater today to figure this out, to, to walk in love, to say, okay, this is a must for my life. I got to learn to choose to put on love day in and day out. And so that's what I want to bring, bring before you this morning is that I believe walking in love, lifestyle love, is a choice. I believe every day there's a conscious choice that you and I get to, to figure out, and it's the choice of choosing to put on love. And in verses 12 and verses 14, he uses that vivid example of just like you choose your wardrobe in the morning. You choose, I'm not going to wear that, I am going to wear that. Yeah, that old thing, it's, it's got holes and I forgot to wash it. Therefore, I'm not going to wear that. That wardrobe, that looks awesome. That's my new, my new getup. I love it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear that today. I'm going to choose not to wear that. I'm going to wear that. He says it's just like that. In, 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 in fleshing out our faith, our lifestyle Christianity, it's just like that. He says that twice. So I would say this is one of the primary mandates of our lives in Jesus. One of the primary mandates of our lives is, cho is choosing to put on love. This should affect the way we view our relationships with our spouses, with our kids, with our coworkers. If you're not married with your roommates, with your extended family, this should be the, one of the greatest mandates upon your life is that today I get to choose to put on love which sounds simple, but it's not easy. How many of you can attest to that? It's not always easy to put on love. Come on, let's be honest. It is rather difficult, I would say. Therefore, that's why I'm so passionately trying to muster up some urgency in your heart that we gotta get this. I, I, I can't just let this slide. This is not a side issue. This is, this is one of the the highest criteria of my success in Christ is whether or not I'm going to walk in love today, whether I'm going to put on love, if I'm going to clothe myself in love. So I would say, what if, what if you use that criteria for your life? Your, the new criteria of success for your life is, are you loving like Jesus loved? 
As he looked at vile sinners, some who mocked him, some that taunted him, some that wanted him to fail, and he could look them in the eyes with love. He could serve them with love. He could ultimately lay down his life for them. That should challenge us. And I want to bring that to life this morning. I, I brought some luggage with me because this might be hard to do with a handheld mic, but we'll do it somehow. I brought some of my... The old me and some of the new me. Because I, there's three aspects of the old you that I believe that if we're not conscious, if we're not aware, if we're not uh, vigilant, to choose to put on love, there's, there's part of the old us that just is, that's there and it's roaring its face. And I just want to empower you and encourage you to choose to put on love, to put off the old self. That's what he says. The old, the old us, the old you, the old me, it's like they're, they're like dirty clothes. That's what he says in verse 12. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. And later he says, instead, clothe yourself with the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. He uses this analogy two other times. He uses it in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, put on the armor of God. Actively choose to clothe yourself with what you've been equipped with in Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 3 says something very similar. He says, clothe yourself with Jesus so this is, not, this is not a side thing. This is one of the primary mandates for your life. So I would say part of the old us that, at least in my, I would say in our culture, is so prevalent, is the old us of personal rights. Personal rights. First and foremost, it's about my rights. And that, that affects the way we interact with people. So I got this. This old sweatshirt's got holes in it. It's got paint on it. Actually, my wife gave me this when we were in high school. That's right. This thing is old. That was like 35 years ago. So this thing's on. It doesn't smell that good either because it was out on my porch. It's old. It's got holes on it. It's got paint on it. But so oftentimes, we cling to our personal rights. And you know what that does as we interact with people? We grow jealous, we grow entitled. We think we have a place we need to defend. Vengeance is ours instead of vengeance being the Lord's. Everything's a fight to be to a fight that we can pick with somebody. Because we're living with this old us which is the old us of personal rights. I'm going to take off these awesome boots and put on some old nasty boots. Because this next one is it's the old us of personal survival. I would say that we are born into a world which is a dog-eat-dog -dog world, survival of the fittest. And these boots actually look pretty clean, but trust me, they are my mud boots. They were in the Skunk River, so they got kind of cleaned off. <laughs> which, yeah, which is, sounds like, um, like it's contradictory to be in the Skunk River and they're getting cleaned off, but... But these are some nasty old mud rubber boots. I just go anywhere with these bad boys. But this is like, this is like the old us of personal, personal survival. Like you do whatever it takes to get ahead of the other person. That's the old you. It's not the way of the kingdom. That's not the way of love. But it's, yeah, you'll lie. You'll cheat. 
behind, behind closed doors. You'll do whatever it takes to get ahead of the other person. You'll steal. That is the old us of survival. And lastly, I got these nasty gloves. These are actually pretty nasty. This is the, the old us of, of seeking fulfillment. Seeking personal fulfillment. It's personal rights. It's personal survival. It's personal fulfillment. It's, it's that longing in all of our souls to be fulfilled with something. And so what do we do when we're not feeling fulfilled? Usually we try to drown our life in something. So usually we find ourselves in sexual sin. We're trying to numb the pain of our life through other relationships outside of God's best. And we drown ourselves in substance or alcohol. We do something just to fulfill this longing in our souls. That's the old us. Anytime we, we cling to the old us, that's what we're doing. We're trying to fulfill that, that personal fulfillment. But Paul says here, to remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. That's right, every day. It's like you stand before the closet. You say, I'm not going to wear this. I'm going to wear this. That's what you, you got to do as a follower of Christ. Lifestyle Christianity, it's simple, but it's not easy. And so if you're going to do what's difficult, if you're going to do what's right, you have to make a conscious choice. And you say, okay, I'm going to remove this. The personal fulfillment, I'm taking these off. This, and you, you know what you replace that with? You replace personal fulfillment with a new fulfillment in Christ. Now Christ is the one thing your heart desires. You've had an encounter with the love of God and now he is your greatest desire. That, that passage in Psalm 27, and the one thing does my heart desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That becomes the prayer over your life. I'm gonna be fulfilled in Christ. You took off the old you. You're gonna put on the new you. You're taking off the the old you of personal, personal rights, taking off the old you of personal survival. It's not just for you. It's not survival mode anymore. Now it's assurance in Christ. That's right. These boots are awesome. And this is your assurance in Christ. You know, in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, what goes on our feet is the, the gospel, the preparation of peace. It's this peace of the goodness and the assurance of Jesus Christ. That's what goes on our feet. It's the assurance of the gospel, the preparation of the gospel of peace. This is, this is now, it's not your personal rights. This is now the interests of others. You look dapper when you consider the interests of others. That's right. When you consider the interests of others, all of a sudden you are a gentleman. You are a knight in shining armor. That's right. You look, You'll, you'll lay down your life for somebody. So you don't have anything to prove. You know who you are as a son of God. You remember that day you encountered your father long off or from far off. He put a coat on you, put a ring on your finger. He said, I got a banquet for you, son. I'm so glad you're home. Now you're adopted. Now you got a place. This is, I forgot to put this on, but this is assurance in Christ. This is a assurance in Christ. Now you're, you're done having personal, seeking personal fulfillment in other ways. Now your fulfillment is in Christ alone. There's one thing do I desire, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That's the choice we have, I believe, every single day. 
As sure as you stand before your closet and choose what to put on in the morning, you have that choice as you stand before God. Am I going to put on love today? Sadly, what I believe happens is we live almost unconsciously. We live in such a way that we drag who we are into environments and situations and relationships. Just almost um, without taking note of what we're doing. Without watching the trail that we're leaving behind us. You know, this fall has been just epically soggy and muddy outside, am I right? And so we got four little ones at home, and I know we all were in this place at some point in our lives as human beings, but as kids, they are oblivious to what they're dragging all over the house. And so in our house, we have what used to be white carpet. It is not white carpet anymore. But still, me and my wife, we have a certain sense of decency in us and and personal pride that we we want to keep it somewhat nice. And so as our kids, the last four weeks, they've been trucking in and out of the house where we constantly feel like we're a broken record. Hey guys, take off your shoes or clean off your feet. Maybe they're running out in the yard with bare feet. Hey, please wipe them off on the rug. Because what, what have they been doing? They've been dra- dragging their mud, their grass, their leaves all over our house. They look behind them. Oh, they didn't even realize it. I think so often in our lives when we live without this conscious intentionality, I'm going to choose to put on love. We're dragging stuff. We're dragging muck and mire and messiness. And maybe you think, oh, it seems like every relationship I get to get into it ends up just falling apart. Every church I find myself at ends up, I end up getting estranged from everybody and, and offended by everybody and walking, walking away in bitterness. Or with your extended family, you just can't get along. Or with your roommates. Instead of blaming everybody else around us, what if we got on our knees before the Lord and said, today, God, I want to choose to put on love. Today, I'm going to choose to set aside my personal rights. I'm going to choose to set aside this this, uh, natural tendency to look for my personal survival. Today, I'm going to set aside self-fulfillment. Today, I'm going to put on the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I want for my life. Lifestyle Christianity, where I'm choosing to put on the love the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. If everyone would stand across this place, we're going to close. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about LifePoint Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.